Thanks for listening to Other People's Flowers. If you'd like to have your work feature on the program, please send it to editor at otherpeoplesflowers.com. We hope you enjoyed this episode. All this week's poetry is by J.J. Steinfeld. Canadian fiction writer, poet and playwright, J.J. Steinfeld lives on Prince Edward Island, where he is patiently waiting for Godot's arrival and a phone call from Kafka. While waiting, he has published 18 books, including Would You Hide Me? Misshapenness, Identity Dreams and Memory Sounds, Madhouses in Heaven, Castles in Hell, An Unauthorised Biography of Being, An Absurdity, Woe is Me, Glory Be. His short stories and poems have appeared in numerous anthologies and periodicals internationally, and over 50 of his one-act plays and a handful of full-length plays have been performed in Canada and the United States. The Art of Becoming Invisible Why doesn't anyone answer my well-composed inquiries sent at every solstice, equinox and partial or full eclipse, punctually year after year? Why doesn't anyone answer my succinct yet solemn prayers when cacophony is approaching myth periodically here and there? Why doesn't anyone see my impressive touching of the moon during less than desirable nights haphazardly once in a while? And why does that figure with the gun yell at me to turn around, just as I've mastered the art of becoming invisible? A far-travelling handwritten love letter. A man alone in a bomb shelter for five, formerly handsome, nearly forty, looking fifty, from loneliness and fear and disassembled dreams, starts a letter with a line learned as a child. Heartfelt, loving words from a mother's lullaby, working his way through a long love letter full of words in careful yet cramped order. A plea, more or less, for love. Salvation. Forgiveness. Reprieve. He's lost in the words learned during a lifetime of lost lullabies replaced by harsh songs of pursuing love and salvation and forgiveness and reprieve. The man inserts the long letter into a wine bottle he had been saving for better days. Even bearable days, a bottle for two to celebrate love or the end of hostilities. They will end, have to end, he whispers to the walls. The wine finished like the letter in a haste, but with strange hopefulness he leaves his fortified hiding place, walks the deserted streets to the water's edge, and hurls the bottle toward another world. A woman... A hundred years hence, walking along an isolated beach, off-limits, still contaminated, yet she dares, sick of restrictions and hiding, amazed, not by the distance or sentiments, the itemised desires, glorification of love or heartfelt loving words from a mother's long-ago lullaby, but by the numerous misspellings and neatly printed address of a city that no longer exists. Magical Stories Sex is magical, the down-on-his-luck magician says, finding the pawn site the assistant he had cut in half recommended between acts. Escape is magical, the down-on-her-luck ballerina says, taking the magical pills the partner she had danced with gave her after a lacklustre performance. Science is magical, the three down-on-their-luck scientists say, no one believing their teleporter would ever work in any way as they disappear from sight. 
God is magical, the down-on-their-luck couple say, prepared to leap off a cliff, the angel-like wind securely affixed given them after praying haphazardly. Life is magical, the down-on-its-luck seagull thinks flying above the desperately wing-flapping couple now cursing God and magic. A life poorly executed. On a lovely June morning in 2011, exactly a week before his 68th birthday, a half-handsome but abundantly luckless rural man who senses he is about to become elderly or some other constricting designation shakes his head and spits angrily to the ground of a falling farm that has been in his family for three of Haley's Comet's go-rounds. The years 1835, 1910, 1986. Memorise, that's a history full of years, he will tell you, whether he has had his morning whiskey or not. Now says the memorable years aloud to no one, then thinks unkindly his is a life poorly executed, and he realises the double-edgedness of what he had just thought, a life poorly executed. And he thinks of the Rosenbergs, Julius and Ethel, executed the unpropitious day he turned ten on June 19th, 1953. Unfortunate souls whom his father said didn't deserve to be executed, and then he wonders why he is half handsome and where all his endless bad luck comes from. His father, grandfather and great-grandfather were all considered lucky, even blessed, and each, right up to the moment of death, could describe when Haley's Comet flew overhead, had good, full lives, and what some might call good deaths, quietly, in bed, surrounded by family members and love. But the half-handsome man who saw Haley's Comet a quarter-century before, on the day his wife left him, knows he has had a life poorly executed, and will have a death little better than his life. The Anticlimactic End of the World God uses special effects and excessive pyrotechnics, a mute-speak, sweet-voiced upon regaining speech and a sense of humour. Everyone in the room is awed, left trembling and sweat-drenched. It's a precursor to the most transcendent night. An elderly hunchback declares, the hump dissolving into ramrod straightness. Prestidigitation will become commonplace. A former stutterer slips into eloquence, greeted by applause like legendary thunder, even a hint of legendary lightning and divination. Three in the room grip camcorders, ready to capture the unfathomable, then the three swell to thirty, to three hundred, to three thousand, soon an excited sea of camcorders, attempting to outwit the incomprehensible. Will all this be on the morning, evening, or nighttime news? I wonder, silent in my confusion. This is a lousy movie with sloppy dialogue, a blind cynic grumbled, retching out metaphor then screams in mid-sentence, I can see, and looks at the delicate feet of the most beautiful sinner in the room, this room spacious beyond measurement, populated like a history of forgotten parades. I inadvertently entered, haphazard condemnation, sat at the very back, seeing all the deformities, and infirmities, and worn-out dreams. One by one, slowly and consecutively, Things are resolved, errors undone, wounds healed. Even belligerency is soothed. It is miraculous, the youngest in the room says, a recent wrist-slash-now-soft decoration, 
It is glorious, the oldest in the room says, long, memoried scars turning smooth. I know it's the end, but I'm not letting anyone in on the secret. The one-liners are just too sanctified and I have nowhere else to go. Other People's Flowers was produced by Hugo Gibson, Chris Kamon Vutitam and Hamish Adam Kans. If you'd like to have your work featured on the show, please send it to editor at otherpeoplesflowers.com. Thank you for listening.